Hello, everybody, and welcome. We're back with another edition of Awesome Irish Women from the Past. And today we have a talented trio from the world of theater, opera, and books. Let's hear it for Catherine Hayes. For Mariah Edgeworth. And Peg Woofington. Super to have you on the show, girls. We plucked you from history and brought you together because our program today is all about... Stars! And each of you ladies is a star. The celebrities of your time. Let's start with you, Peg, in your own time. My name is Peg Woofington. It may be hard to believe, but there was a time I was not the revered star of the stage that I am now. I was born in Dublin in the early 18th century. My modesty does not permit me to reveal my age, but I can tell you that it was around 1720, (coughs) give or take a few years. Sadly, my father died penniless, leaving my mother, younger sister and I very poor. I left school and set about helping my mother to bring in money by selling baskets of watercress and salad on the street. I was happy enough in my work, but I knew that selling watercress was never going to bring in enough money for my family to live comfortably. But fate was about to take a hand in my story. It all began one evening when I was collecting water from the River Liffey. That was when I noticed a woman watching me curiously. It was a wet day and her colourful clothes made her stand out on the grey street. As I did not recognise her, I simply smiled politely and went on my way, thinking little of it. But as it turned out, this would not be the last I would see of this woman, for it was she who would change the course of my life. Mother! Polly! I'm back! I nearly slipped in the street, but I managed to steady myself. Ah, you're a good girl, Peg. You sit down now and see if you can help your sister with her reading. Well, it's a funny time for us to be having a visitor. Oh, hello. Good evening, and I must apologise for this intrusion. My name is Madame Violante, and I wonder if I might speak to you about your daughter with the long dark hair. You can imagine my surprise to see that it was none other than the colourfully dressed woman who had been watching me while I gathered water earlier that evening. You wish to speak to me about Peg? May I ask what your business is? I am a trapeze artist, madame, a tightrope walker, an acrobat, a professional of the stage. A professional of the stage, indeed. Well, do come in, madame... Violante. Please, sit down. Thank you, I am most obliged. Let me explain further. I am in Dublin training a young troupe of actors to perform. I have seen your daughter Peg... Many times this week near the university selling her basket of salad and as she collects water from the river. I have watched her most carefully and do believe she shows promise for the stage. My peg? On stage? Really? 
I can assure you, madame, she would be very well paid. Well paid? My goodness. Peg, what do you think of this? Do you really think I would be able, madame Violante? Well, uh, let's see. Can you uh, read? Yes, I read very well. And uh, do you have a good memory? For that is important if you are to remember lines. I believe I do. Well then, this is an excellent start. If you and your mother are happy, I would like you to join me tomorrow at the end of George's Lane, where you will become an apprentice. I shall teach you the skills of the stage. I think I barely slept that night. I was so excited. This was my chance to change my life and to help my family. The next day I arrived keen to learn as much as I could and I found Madame Violante to be a strict but fair teacher. The troupe of young actors was called the Lilliputians and we began work immediately, rehearsing and performing in Dublin. I found that I was often given the comic roles, which I enjoyed, as I do love to make people laugh. Before long, I knew that this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. The stage was where I belonged. Of course, an actor's life is not always easy. There was a time when I was very busy, but eventually Madame Violante left to work on other shows, and I found myself unemployed. I wished very much to learn more and to try and find success. That is how I came to find myself in Smock Alley Theatre, where I met the manager, Mr Elrington. Mr Elrington, sir, uh, my name is Peg Woffington and I... Peg who? Do you have an appointment? I trained with Madame Violante and... Oh, yes, I know who you are. You are the one who wishes to sit in on rehearsals. Yes, sir. I am keen to learn. Well, it is a little inconvenient, but I suppose I can allow it. You must not get in the way of the actors, though. They are very busy. Of course, sir. And if I can help in any way... Yes, yes, yes. Now, where is my assistant with my tea? Oh, I'm happy to get it for you, Mr Elrington. Oh, very good. Thank you, Peg. And that is how I came to get my foot in the door of this prestigious theatre. Although it was not paid work, I knew that this was a wonderful opportunity. I made myself as useful as possible to Mr Elrington, and every day I learned more and more from simply watching the actors rehearse and perform. In time, I was even offered a few small parts in the plays. But my big break was coming, I knew it. And come it did. What do you mean, she's sick? How sick? Well, she can't perform tonight, Mr Ellington. She's confined to bed. The physician has given strict instructions that she stay where she is. But she's playing Ophelia. How are we supposed to perform Hamlet, one of the greatest plays ever written, without my star actress to play Ophelia? We have little option but to cancel the show, so... Oh, heavens, this is a disaster. Excuse me, Mr Ellington. What is it, Peg? I know it, Mr. Ellrington. I know the part of Ophelia. Perhaps, well, perhaps I could play her? I don't know, Peg. It's a big role. Are you sure you're up to it? Mr. Ellrington, I must advise you that the people have paid to come and see Florence in the role, not Peg. I can do it. Please, Mr. Ellrington. All right, Peg. You will take the role. 
you have an hour to prepare for rehearsal. One hour. I'm counting on you. Mr. Ellington, I would ask you to reconsider Peg is inexperienced and if the audience are unhappy, they could demand their money back. John, I'm the manager of the theatre. I make the decisions. Peg will play Ophelia tonight. I won't let you down, sir. I promise. And I didn't let Mr. Ellington down. The show was a huge success, and one could say that it was the first step in my rise to stardom. I began to perform in London, and finally managed to earn enough money for my sister to be educated, and for my mother to live in comfort. Before long, everyone knew the name Peg Woofington, from a girl selling watercress on the side of the street, to the famous actress that you see before you now. It was an incredible change in fortunes. But I can tell you that my success was down to luck, hard work and a trapeze artist named Madame Violante. What a rags-to-riches story, Peg. What do you think, ladies and gentlemen? It's going to be hard to top that, but let's try. How about you, Mariah? Tell us your story of finding fame and success as a writer. I am Mariah Edgeworth, daughter of Richard Lovell Edgeworth and Anna Maria Ellers. I was born in 1768 in Oxfordshire, but we soon moved to County Longford in Ireland, a place that I grew accustomed to as my home. My poor mother died young, and when my stepmother also passed away, my father needed me to assist with the upbringing of the children. When I did have a moment to myself, there was one thing and one thing only that I wished to be occupied with, and that was writing. In the beginning, I simply wrote letters, just letters. I would write to my friends and relatives, often telling them about all the goings-on in the countryside and the local people. After a while, I wrote some essays about education and politics, which I enjoyed. But deep down, I had plans for an even bigger writing project. What are you writing, Mariah? I'm undertaking to write a novel, Father. I've already started it. A novel? Well, my dear, that is an entertaining pursuit. Although, have you considered that perhaps, rather than a novel, that you could write something a little more educational? I think something educational would be wonderful. I tell you what, if it reaches an appropriate standard, I dare say we could look at having it published. Published? Father, that would be a dream. Now, if I'm honest, I would have preferred to focus on my novel. But I loved my father, and I valued his judgment. And he did have a point. After all, there were not many books at that time with good advice and moral teachings for children. Who was to write such a book if not me? I set about my new task at once. I was proud of my little book, I must say. But yet, I was unsatisfied. I yearned to tell another story. 
I decided to focus on the one thing that I'd wanted to do for some time, to write my novel. What are you writing, my dear Maria? Oh, just a letter to Sophie. She's poorly. Oh, send her my best wishes, dear. I do hope she makes a swift recovery. I will, father. I did feel a little guilty to be hiding my novel from my father, but I told myself that it might never be finished and no one need know about it. But the few pages I had soon grew into a chapter, and then another, and then another. My book was about Ireland and the real people in it. It was called Castle Rackrent. I continued to work on it secretly, in the early mornings and late evening. And when I finally finished, after all that hard work, I knew that I wasn't content to keep it to myself anymore. I needed to send it out into the world. And that's exactly what I did. Kitty, you must bring this package directly to the postmaster. Is there something the matter, ma'am? No, there's nothing at all the matter. But this is a secret between you and I. And if you keep it safe, there's a full guinea in it for you, my girl. Thank you, ma'am. I'll go to the postmaster directly, ma'am. I had done it. I had sent my finished novel to my publisher. And he loved it. At this stage, I had no choice but to tell my father, who was admittedly a little surprised. You did what? But he soon came around, although he insisted that my book ought to be published anonymously so that no one would know who wrote it. Really, I would love to know who wrote this book, Castle Rackrent. Yes, it's terribly funny. There was talk that it was perhaps written by a woman. It has been published anonymously, after all. A woman? You must be joking. A woman couldn't have written it. In fact, I think I know the chap who wrote it. He's a very witty fellow. Believe it or not, one person actually did claim to have written Castle Rack Rent himself. He even took the time to copy out a few chapters and add corrections of his own so as to make it look like it was his own work. It wasn't until 1811 that Father and I decided it ought to be republished. But this time, I would add my name as author. After that, things became something of a whirlwind as I began to meet and correspond with people who wished to speak to me about my work. Some of them were quite famous, such as the poet Lord Byron and the writer Sir Walter Scott. And I also had an admiring letter from another woman writer who supposedly became quite well-known herself, someone called Jane Austen, whoever she is. What a great story! Let's hear it for our novelist, Mariah Edgeworth. So, for our next guest, we're back to the performing world with an opera singer who made quite a splash. In your own words, Catherine, how did it all start? My name is Catherine Hayes. I was born in the year 1818. 
My mother was a servant in the house of the Earl of Limerick and she did her very, very best to support me and my sister after my father abandoned us. Indeed, times were hard when I was a child. We were surviving, but only just about. It's safe to say that I could not have foreseen the turn my life would take. From the poor daughter of a servant to an opera star, it was unbelievable. And my success is due in part to a simple stroke of luck. It was an ordinary day in the autumn of 1838 when I had accompanied my mother to the Earl of Limerick's house, as I often did to help her with her work. I was in the garden, waiting for her to finish, and as I plucked at blades of grass, I sang to pass the time. I must admit that I had no idea that anybody could hear me. But it turns out that just next door, the Reverend Edmund Knox was sitting in his drawing room with the window open as he read through his favourite sermon. My goodness, Betty. Who on earth is that singing? I cannot tell you, Your Grace. I think it must be coming from next door. From next door? The Earl of Limerick's house? Does he have guests at present? That I cannot tell you, Your Grace. But I do believe the singing is coming from the garden rather than the house. Ah, the garden. Can you see out the window there and tell me who it is? It, it seems to be a young girl, Your Grace, and, and I can tell from her clothes that she's not a guest of the Earl of Limerick. She looks to be one of the staff. Oh, one of the staff. How interesting. I must meet the girl who possesses this heavenly voice. Please go and knock on the door and ask her to come in and see me. Yes, Your Grace. Before I knew it, I was in the parlour of the Reverend Knox's house, feeling very scared indeed. Hello, my dear. Are you the one I heard singing in the garden? Uh, yes, sir. I, I mean, Your Grace, I'm, I'm very sorry, Your Grace. I didn't think I would be disturbing anyone. No, 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 no. There's no need to apologise. You're not in any trouble at all. Can you tell me... Where did you learn to sing like that? I don't really know, Your Grace. We always like to sing at home and I enjoy the hymns at church. And you have not had any lessons? No one has instructed you in singing? No, Your Grace. Well, I must say that is very impressive. Very impressive indeed. I so enjoyed hearing you sing that I would like to ask my wife Agnes to come in and hear you sing again. Would that be all right? Yes, Your Grace. I must admit that I was very nervous. But I closed my eyes, pretended I was in church and tried my best. Afterwards, he and his wife clapped and he told me that he would like me to return the very next day to sing for them again. And that was the beginning of it. Have you ever heard anything like it, Agnes? Such a sweet voice and, and so much promise. I'm already looking forward to hearing her again tomorrow. Quite. And, and did she say that her mother works for the Earl as household staff? My goodness, what are all talent? Yes, remarkable. 
Sad to think that she might never have access to the opportunities that other singers from wealthy backgrounds might enjoy. Such a pity. Hmm. Oh, I know that. Hmm. What are you plotting, Edmund? Just wondering if uh, we can help somehow. Is there something we can do? Well, she's coming back tomorrow, so why not invite some of our friends over? And we shall let them hear her for themselves. No doubt, between us and them, we might somehow be able to assist the girl. That's it, Agnes. We shall start a fundraiser. See if we can get her some vocal training. I shall ask the advice of the Piggott family. They have the music shop in Dublin. They're so well connected in the music world. Perhaps they can recommend a teacher. And maybe she could sing for the gathering next month at the church. And I dare say this is a project that I'm going to enjoy. Oh, you and your project. <laughs> I shall invite our friends at once. The very next day, in my best dress and with my mother waiting anxiously outside for me, I returned to Bishop Knox's house. And thanks to that performance and the kindness of the bishop and his wife Agnes, before I knew it, I was receiving singing lessons in Dublin. And from Dublin to Paris, and then from some of the best teachers in Europe, in what seemed like the blink of an eye, my life had changed utterly. I dreamt, I dreamt in Soon, I was performing opera before huge audiences. So many concerts, in fact, that some of the shows are a bit of a blur. And after that, things became something of a whirlwind as I became more and more well-known. Miss Catherine Hayes' debut at the Royal Italian Opera was a great success and her captivating performance... The great star of the evening performance in Edinburgh was Catherine Hayes, whose extraordinary singing voice is at once... Catherine Hayes has journeyed to Australia to perform in Sydney. Her talent precedes her and is New expected York to New York welcomes Miss Catherine Hayes, the songbird from the Green Isle of Erin, whose meteoric... On Saturday night last, the London audience was spellbound by the clear tones of Miss Catherine Hayes, the Hibernian... From then on, my travels took me to Dublin, Paris, Milan, Marseille, Vienna, Venice, the Americas, India, Singapore, Australia... But wherever my voice took me, whether it was in Marseille or New York or Sydney or Rome, when I had a quiet moment to myself, in my mind, I would return to that fateful autumn day when I was a girl singing to myself in the Earl's garden, plucking blades of grass and wondering what life had in store for me. And that, I'm afraid, is all we have time for today, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to thank all of our wonderful stars today. 
Let's give a warm hand to our exceptional actress, Peg Woofington. <laughs> to our remarkable writer, Mariah Edwards. And last but definitely not least, to our amazing opera singer, Catherine Hayes. We'll be back soon with three more awesome Irish women from the past who will wow you, impress you, and maybe scare you a little. Please join us next time when I'll be talking to the fighters, Countess Markovich, Anne Bunny, and Kit Kavanaugh. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.